The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Good morning, church. The nine o'clock crowd, you are Bronco fans. I I understand. I don't know why. Uh, This week, ouch. Did I hear an ouch? Did you see them last week? Goodness. Hey, uh, good to have you with us today. My name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. If I've yet to meet you, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, We have a lot of work to do. So if you would open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that would be great. If you're online with us, welcome. We're glad you're with us as well. Grab a Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians 14. Or if you're uh, streaming online, there's a little Bible section there in the screen that you can actually click on and find 1 Corinthians 14. So uh, grab a hold of that, open a phone or a tablet. We're going to be in this text today. I told you last week um, about my very first experience in a charismatic church. I'd like to tell you another experience I had in a charismatic church. And and hear me, I didn't uh, say this last week, but I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes here. Okay. But here we go, right? Uh, I mean, that's just kind of what happens in this stuff. So uh, before I planted Fathom uh, and started preaching, I was a worship pastor at another church, and I was uh, attending a worship conference at a very charismatic church. And y'all, I've, I've told you, it's just, it's weird if you're not used to that environment. Uh, so this, at this church, there were uh, people dancing around, and, and people were waving their flags, and they were wriggling on the floor, and, and people were speaking in tongues. And that wasn't the stuff that surprised me. Okay, here's what happened at this church at this conference. Uh, There was a gal on stage off to the side during the teaching and the worship uh, who was, quote, painting in the spirit. Okay, and and now listen, I don't hate art. Okay, I like art, but that wasn't art. Okay, like slapping some paint on a canvas to a Hillsong tune ain't art. All right. I'll go downtown to the museum to see some art. It's not art, okay? Uh, There was this one breakout session at this conference that was called How to Soak Your Church in the Spirit. And and I thought to myself, yo, I don't know how many liquid metaphors I can handle, but there's a lot of them, right? Spirit sprinkle, spirit wash, spirit soaking, spirit drowning. Like, I don't feel comfortable with this. You get to the point where you're just like, I'm not sure about this. And then the, the most interesting thing is that the back of the room, they were selling what they were called, calling prophecy garments. I took a picture. Uh, this is a prophecy garment. Uh, so um, apparently, for a, apparently for a sizable cost, you could buy this weird looking leotard thing. Um, <laughs> which somehow enhances the spiritual gift of prophecy. So um, if anyone wants to make me one of these, I'm looking for one in plaid, okay? Uh, Christmas is coming, all right? So, uh, hey, I say all that to say today we're, we're, we're doing the second part of 1 Corinthians 14, and we're talking today about prophecy, okay? Last week was tongues. If, if you didn't feel weird last week, just you, you came back for more. So this is the week for you. Uh, today, we're talking about prophecy, and we're going to step into the same text that we looked at last week, but we're going to take it from the other angle. And as I said last week, okay, if you have questions or comments, I'm not going to be able to cover everything about prophecy, but if you have questions or comments about this stuff, text them to our church number. That's 720-507-8687. If we don't cover your 
your questions or your comments, send them in to us. And this week, uh, we will record a podcast to address all of those Q&A that you you had from tongues and from prophecy. This is strange stuff, y'all. It's just strange stuff. And so we want to kind of engage with this. This is not the, the most important thing. Actually, next week in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, let me tell you what's most important. And he's going to talk about the resurrection. These are not of most importance or of first importance, but they are in the text. And we want to engage with them. So 720-507-8687, text those things in to us. Uh, and then I know, again, last week was a stretch for some. Uh, today, it will be uh, more of the same, okay? But uh, once again... We preach through books of the Bible so that we are forced to encounter the entirety of the the word of God, the whole counsel of God. And 1 Corinthians 14 is here, and I believe it's here for a reason, okay? So our Western uh, kind of post-enlightenment minds don't initially resonate with these things, okay? Some of this stuff seems bizarre to us. Add to that what I think are a ton of, at best, misuses in churches or, at worst, abuses of these gifts. And and, and it makes us kind of bristle when it comes to some of these more supernatural gifts. You may have seen these these misuses or abuses of, like, like, I don't know if you've watched TV, these, these, these TV preachers, slayings in the spirit, right? televangelists preaching kind of this health and wealth, prosperity preaching, husband and wife pastoring teams with matching charismolets and matching unitards and, and, and pantsuits. And I mean, it's just, it's very bad hair and very bad preaching, okay? All that stuff makes us really want to buck 1 Corinthians 14. But Fathom, I want us to be open to all that the Bible tells us the Spirit can do but I also want us to be open to do it in the way that the Bible tells us to do it. So uh, I'm hoping that we're stretched a little bit. I've been stretched in this study. I still don't know where I land on all this stuff, but let's dig in today to the gift of prophecy. So 1 Corinthians 14, look at verses one through five together. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, which remember that verse, that word is spirituals. Gifts is not there. That's Paul's word, spirituals. Earnestly desire the spirituals, especially that you may prophesy. For one speaks in a tongue, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Okay. Prophecy. Uh, I think where we first and initially get hung up on this gift is uh, around definitions. Okay, we've got to work on defining prophecy or prophet, okay? So when we think of prophecy, we hear that word, and normally your mind goes to like uh, predicting the future, right? Some sort of like Nostradamus thing, fortune telling, kind of mysterious stuff, or like end of the world madness, Like there was this book that came out in 1988 called Why the World Will End in 1989, right? 
That's, that's, that we think of that when we think of prophecy, but, but just hear me, that's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about uh, uh, prophecy, okay? So let's do a little work. Uh, and just so you guys know, here's the buffer, okay? Almost everything that I'm saying today comes from a theologian named Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem is a conservative theologian who uh, I'm using at length on these topics from his systematic theology book because uh, I think he is measured and reasonable in his approach with this stuff. So uh, let's start with this. There is a difference between Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet the prophets of the Old Testament, and the New Testament gift of prophecy, okay? There is a difference between these two things. In the Old Testament, we find the prophets with like a capital P, you might say. The prophets, the office of prophet in the Old Testament came with the authority to speak and write words that had absolute divine authority, So the prophets of the Old Testament could with confidence say, thus saith the Lord. And they were essentially speaking for God. I don't know why they speak in Old English in my mind, thus saith the Lord. They always speak in Old King James language for me, but that's just me. Okay, but 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 the prophets, as they spoke or wrote, those words were recorded as scripture. The Old Testament prophets, that's where we get that. These are guys like Moses, Isaiah. Elijah, okay, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. These are big Old Testament prophets. And to disbelieve or disobey a prophet's words was equated to disbelieving or disobeying God himself. That's Old Testament prophets. Now, in the New Testament, the office of prophet seems to get a new title, The way that the Old Testament prophets functioned, okay, people who wrote God's very words in the New Testament are not called prophets anymore. They're called apostles. The apostles are the New Testament counterpart to the Old Testament prophets, okay? And what they said and wrote was authoritative, canonized as scripture, as the Bible. And that's different, hear me, that's different from prophecy today. So in the New Testament, most commonly, the words prophet or prophecy are, are, are not talking about the apostles or like the prophets of the Old Testament in that same way. More often in the New Testament, when they talk about prophecy or the gift of prophecy or somebody who is a prophet, they're, they're speaking of most commonly ordinary Christians who spoke not with absolute divine authority, but simply to report something that God had laid on their hearts or brought to their minds. So that's a different, we just need to work through that in our minds first. The difference between the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament gift of prophecy is vast, specifically around what is authoritative and the level with which we take that authority. So then what is prophecy then in the New Testament? Like let's, let's kind of work through the New Testament version of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. What does this mean? Uh, I, I did a lot of reading this week. I did a lot of work on trying to mash together and come up with what I think is a helpful definition of the New Testament gift of prophecy. And this is what I came up with. We'll put it on the screen. A spirit prompted revelation that's humanly reported and intended for edification. A spirit-prompted revelation, humanly reported, 
intended for edification. Now, I'm going to break that into those three pieces, okay? Those three kind of movements of that definition. I want to work through each one of those and try and make my case uh, from the text that that's what uh, a New Testament version of prophecy is. Let me break that down. The Spirit-prompted revelation. Here we go. Paul is going to use that word, revelation, in verse 30, okay? A Spirit-prompted revelation. Uh, A revelation... uh, when, when he's talking about this in 1 Corinthians 14, he's referring to like an impression or, or like a word that somebody receives from the Lord. Now we'll get caught up with this word, revelation, because we, we get hung up here because some of us think that revelation refers to God, God's re- revealing himself in the scriptures, like revelation on a, on a macro level, on a high level. And that's not what Paul's talking about. There is revelatory stuff that's only found in the scripture. That's revelation. But this is, this is simply a word. Like Paul is simply referring to something, anything, that God may suddenly bring to mind or something that God may reveal to someone in such a way that they believe it's from the Lord, okay? It's this spirit, it's from God. It's a spirit-prompted revelation. Now, if that part's not hard to swallow, the next part is where it gets a little messy, okay? Because it's humanly reported. So God puts something, a revelation into our minds, into our hearts, and and then it's a human report. So this is where things can get messy because revelation, hear me, is the message from God to a person. And then prophecy is the report of that revelation. But it's got to go through this mess called our brains. And Paul, or uh, the Old Testament, uh, I think it's Solomon says, the mind and the heart are deceitful above all else. So there's this filter, God's revelation to a person and prophecy being what the person reports. But in between that is a sinful, broken creature that has to filter that. So prophecy may have elements of the speaker's own understanding or interpretation in it. And therefore it needs evaluating and testing. Okay? It, 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 it could be wrong because of the way that a human takes that word or, or feeling or sense that they get and interprets it and speaks it. The human edge of this, where we report it, is where we get really into some hairy waters, okay? Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, he says this, uh, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Now, this is where prophecy differs from uh, the Old Testament prophets, okay? The Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, uh, what they sped, said had absolute authority. It had, you weren't supposed to test that. You weren't to question that. That was authoritative. But prophecies, the gift of prophecy in the New Testament and beyond, do not carry that same weight. They are not equal to the words of scripture. Prophecies today should be considered human words, not God's word. You don't get to say, thus saith the Lord any longer. Okay? Paul will say as much in verse 37, 1 Corinthians 14, 37. We will get there, but let me read it real quick. It says, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things that I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. 
So Paul's like, hey, uh, okay, you've got a word of prophecy. Hey, that's great. Don't forget that what I'm saying trumps that. Okay, it's, it's a, what I'm saying is a command of the Lord. It's authoritative. It trumps whatever prophecy you may think. Why? Because Paul is an apostle. Paul gets to speak with complete authority. A prophet, a prophecy in the New Testament uh, must be subservient to the words of scripture. So again, I think this is really helpful. Revelation is the message from God. Prophecy is the report of that revelation, okay? It may have elements of the speaker's own understanding or interpretation, and it certainly needs to be evaluated and tested under the guise of the scriptures. So um, a word of prophecy will never contradict the scriptures, Somebody comes to you and says, I feel like the Lord's laying on my heart that I should divorce my wife. You would say, well, problem is that is, is the scriptures. The scriptures say, don't get divorced. And God won't put something in your heart that goes against the scriptures. It is subservient to the scriptures. In fact, I think one of the things that God will most often, if you do have the gift of prophecy, most often will put in your head and your mind and on your heart for somebody is actual scripture, verses of scripture, passages to encourage people with. So if someone really does think uh, that God is bringing something to mind, which needs to be reported, if you think that you're receiving a word from the Lord that needs to be reported, you should come with the greatest humility out there. There should be great humility because you know you and you know how messed up you are, right? And you should always lead with, I think the Lord is putting something on my mind. I, 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 it seems that God might have this message for us. Always with humility, okay? It's never God said this to me. Hey, God said this to me. God said that to me. How do you argue with that? No, he didn't. If you just lead with, thus saith the Lord, I'm in charge, like what? No, you're not. That's not what God said. You have to lead with humility because we could be wrong. So it's a spirit-prompted revelation, humanly reported. The third part is that it's intended for edification. Now this is clear in verse three, which we just read. Look at verse three again. On the other hand, after he talks about tongues, he says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Prophecies are given to build others up, to encourage them, and to console them. It's, it's for edification. It's for edification. This is why the idea that prophecies are just predictions of the future is, is a false premise. Now, certainly God might reveal something that will come, that will come about, but it's, but prophecy in the new Testament mind is far more than that. Okay. Prophecies could include anything that would edify another believer, right? It could be a scripture. It could be a name. It could be a picture. It could be a sense that you have, but, but it's for edification. It's for building up. It's not, Hey, uh, the Lord just told me you're going to die next week. Like, how does that build up? How, right? Like, oh, that, that, all that's going to do is put you on edge. How does that edify? So, so prophecy 
That's how I want to define it. That's the working definition I want to go with. Now, let's look at, at what Paul says, kind of the parameters around prophecy are. So we read all of chapter, uh, chapter 14 last week. We're going to skip over the middle section and jump down to verse 26. Verse 26, here's where Paul begins to give uh, uh, some parameters for prophecies. What then, brothers, when you come together... Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be two or at most three and each in turn and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each, let each of them keep silent and speak to himself and to God. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So, so Paul's restrictions here on prophecy are very similar to the restrictions that he laid out last week uh, for the gift of tongues, okay? This is meant to be done with self-control. It's not meant to be chaotic. It's, it's meant to be orderly. And then there's this check and balance system that he seems to weave into this, right? He said, uh, let the others weigh what is said. So what we already talked about, these need to be tested. These need to be weighed. The words of the Bible need not be tested or weighed. They are trustworthy. Your prophecy to me, I need to weigh that thing out because you could be nuts. That's how this says to practice this. And then he says, if a revelation is made to another, okay, so he's saying somebody's speaking a word of prophecy and he says, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So essentially, if someone is prophesying and God reveals to you in that moment that what they're saying is complete bunk, you need to say, hey, quiet down. I've got a revelation. And then you step up and you correct that first prophecy that you think is false. Again, all of these things are, are meant to be done in a way that's orderly and in a way that's to build up the congregation. And then he says this, the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, which sounds circular in its logic, um, but this is essentially about mutually checking one another on prophecy. No one anymore gets to say, thus saith the Lord, and that's the final word. You test these things, you check these things. If somebody says something and you're like, nah, that, that, that don't sound right, you speak up and your revelation, your, your prophecy might counteract theirs. All of this is meant to be done in an orderly and working out fashion. So um, a really helpful part in this, I think to point out is that um, this can be done by many, it would seem in the congregation. Okay, that, that this is not uh, just for those who are skilled speakers. Sometimes people will interpret prophecy in the New Testament to be what I do, like preaching. And there's maybe a little bit of merit to that, uh, but I don't think that's what he's talking about, okay? Uh, this is not just for people who are skilled in, in preaching or teaching, those who have gifts of teaching, okay? Back in verse five, Paul said he wants all to prophesy. And then he just said in verse 31, he said, you can all prophesy one by one. Now, again, back to 1 Corinthians 12, this does not mean that everyone will prophesy. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians 12, we learned that not, uh, there's not one gift that everybody gets, 
but everybody gets at least one gift, okay? So, so it does suggest, though, that, that this gift uh, will be used by many inside the body of Christ. And then Paul says uh, that, that not only will many prophesy, but more so he says that you should desire to prophesy. <laughs> you should desire this. That's what he says in verse one, earnestly desire the spirituals, especially that you may prophesy. And then down to verse 39, look down in verse 39 and 40, the last two verses of this text. Paul says, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy. There he is again saying that. And do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So here's my premise. If Paul was eager for the gift of prophecy to function in a church that's as messed up as the church in Corinth, perhaps we should be open to this as well. Wayne Grudem, that theologian who I'm referring to, he says this, this is a quote from him. Might a greater openness to the gift of prophecy perhaps help to correct a dangerous imbalance in church life? An imbalance that comes because we are too exclusively intellectual, objective, and narrowly doctrinal. So he's saying this might be a correction for the Western post-enlightenment church who has moved to all head, all mind, all cerebral. Now, again, just so you don't mishear me and light me up with emails this week, okay? Um, This is not at the same level as the scriptures, okay? Please don't mishear me on that. We are not saying that there is revelation that has the authority as the text, but... Maybe we're missing something. Like maybe we're missing something if we're unwilling to engage with this gift simply because the abuses of it freak us out and our enlightened sensibilities are uncomfortable with it. Now, um, we're going to get into some application here, but you may have noticed that I skipped some verses, which we don't normally do here at Fathom. Uh, But just so you uh, know that you're getting what you paid for, um, let's look at verses 33b through 35. This is everybody's favorite passage of scripture. Ladies, I hope you have this memorized. As in all the churches of the saints, women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. So there's that. All right. Um, Just kind of hanging out right in the middle of that text is this thing from seemingly left field, right? Uh, uh, So save the tomato throwing. Okay, I just read it. Didn't write it, okay? I just read it. So save that. Um, What is Paul doing here? This is, where did this come from? Like, what is going on here? Well, uh, there's huge debate about this. And nobody quite has the corner on the block when it comes to the interpretation of those verses. In fact, I found no less than 12 different interpretations. And I only read a few books on this this week. So, uh, 
There's plenty to dice out in this. Uh, For the sake of time, I'm not going into all of them. You're welcome. Okay, but uh, here's what I will say today. And then I can, listen, if you have questions about this, send them in. I'll address them on the the podcast. But um, here's, here's, here's what I'll say. This passage cannot mean that women are not permitted to speak ever in church. It cannot mean that. That's really the, the, the one and only interpretation of the 12 that I read that make no sense to me at all. Okay, because Paul has already stated back in chapter 11 that women can pray and prophesy. They just have to have their head covered. That's what Paul said in chapter 11. We find women teaching in the, in the New Testament, correcting theology in the New Testament, leading within the early church in the New Testament. This cannot mean women must never speak in church. And there are some who will take this on face value and interpret that literally. And I think that's a problematic interpretation. Now, again, I don't have time to get into all the theology around gender and roles in the church and all of that. But but what seems to be happening is that there seems to be something going on in Corinth, in this church in Corinth, where some women are causing disunity and distraction in the church gatherings. So Paul says, hey, stop it. If you got questions, ask your husband when you get home. Stop interrupting the services. So if you're single and you're like, I don't have a husband to ask at home, I guess you're out of luck. But in in, in Corinth, most of the women were, were married. And so he's saying, stop, stop interrupting service. Stop causing disunity in the church. This is not, hear me, this is not all women remain silent in church. This is, hey, there's a way to behave in the gathering that doesn't buck up against the authority that God has put in place for the ordering of his people. Goodness, there's so much more I can go in on on that, but I just don't have time. Seriously, text me or do some research on your own. You you don't need me to spoon feed you everything, okay? Uh, Let's get practical here because prophecy is weird. um, And let's get practical. How might we practice this as a church? How might you practice this as an individual? What does this look like? Well, I have no experience on this. I had no experience at all. Uh, so I just scoured other pastors that I uh, know and, and appreciate their theology and their ideas uh, on this. So again, remember the, the definition. Prophecy is a spirit-prompted revelation, humanly reported, intended for edification. And, and so one of the, the, the way that, uh, one of the ways that guys who I theologically respect practice this is, is, is in this way. Uh, when you are praying, when you pray, uh, you would say to the Lord in your time of prayer, Lord, would you just show me somebody that I can encourage? And then you, you slow down and you listen. And maybe somebody will come to mind as you pray that, Lord, Lord, is there somebody that you would have me encourage? Is there somebody you would have me lift up and, and build up? And, and if somebody comes to mind, great. If somebody doesn't, ain't no thing. Maybe he doesn't have anything for you right now. But because, and listen, because we're Bible people, I'm a Bible guy, okay? This stuff feels weird. 
So what I'm not saying is like you flush your mind out, clear your mind in some sort of like new agey meditative way. Like your mind actually shouldn't be clear. You should be filled with the scripture, filled with the spirit. And then when you pray, you just say, Lord, who might I encourage? Make me aware of that. Make me mindful of that. And then if somebody does come to mind as you pray to the Lord, then you follow up that first question with this. Okay, Lord, how would you want me to encourage them? how would you want me to encourage them? And then you slow down again and you listen. And again, if nothing comes, if nothing comes, no problem. You're not doing it wrong. But maybe a scripture will come to mind. I think most often it will be a scripture. But maybe a scripture will come to mind. It might be a word. It might even be like a picture or a sense that you get, something like that. And in that prayer, if someone comes to mind and you feel this impression to encourage them with something, I would just, would just urge you gently to, to humbly lay it before them. Okay, remember, this is something you lead with, I think that God might have this. I, I'm not sure, but maybe, perhaps this is for you. And then I would encourage you also to only do this with, with the church, with Christians. Okay, remember the gifts are meant for building up the church. Please don't go running to your unsaved neighbors with words of prophecy. All right, things you think are from the Lord and you just need to like run over and tell your neighbor to pick up after their dog. Right, that's not what this is for. Hey, Bob, thus saith the Lord, pick up after Bootsy in my yard, right? Like that's not how this works. It's for the church. So I heard uh, uh, Matt Chandler illustrate with a hypothetical. So here's a hypothetical. I'll do this, okay? Um, So maybe I'm tomorrow in the word, spending my morning in God's word, in prayer. uh, And and I'm like, okay, Lord, um, I preached this yesterday. So uh, do you have anybody for me to encourage? God, is there somebody that you would have for me to encourage? Like I wanna be used by you. I, I wanna put my mouth to action. I wanna build up your church. And for whatever reason, Eric Shelley just pops into my mind, one of our elders. Eric just pops into my mind. So, so in that moment, I don't go, well, is that me? Is it because he texted me a couple days ago? Was that the tacos last night speaking to me? Like, I don't know. Like in that moment, just for the sake of what you just asked the Lord, you just go, okay, okay, Eric. Okay, Lord, let's do this. Um, how would you want me to encourage Eric Shelley? Like, what do you want me to tell him or whatever? And then I slow down again and, I, and I'm just in the presence of the Lord trying to listen. And then imagine that like in my head, there's a picture of a pirate ship. Okay, pirate ship comes to mind. Maybe there's cannons on the pirate ship and then there's a shark chasing the pirate ship. Like that's just what comes to mind as I'm in prayer in the word with the Lord talking to him about Eric. And I see this thing and I'm like, at that point, you're just like, no, forget it, right? I'm out, forget it. I'm not telling him the pirate ship thing, forget it, right? But here's what I would want us to try. I just want us to try and step out in this. To, To, again, admit to yourself, you could be wrong. The pirate ship could be the tacos from yesterday. Remember, there's the, the revelation is not, uh, the revelation is from God. The interpretation, like you could be a mess 
in this. But just admit to yourself, you might be wrong. Remember, this is humanly reported. It could be incorrect, certainly needs testing. But, but, but here's what I would propose. You just go, like I'd be going to Eric and I'd be like, hey, call him up. Hey man, I, I was praying this morning. You heard my sermon, right? Uh, so I was praying this morning and, and listen, buddy, I don't know, but there was a pirate ship. And there were some cannons shooting and, and there was a shark. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, like, it, I just, I don't know what that, does, does that mean anything to you? Now, I'm not gonna interpret it for him, okay? It's not my job to interpret it. I'm not gonna be like, well, here's what I think that means. Maybe you're stealing something, right? Like, like, like a pirate, you're stealing something and the shark is Jesus and he's after you and you better repent. Like, I'm not gonna do that. That's not the job of the prophet. I'm just, I'm just gonna humbly lay it before him and be like, hey man, like pirate ship? And, and hear me, it's perfectly okay for him to be like, bro, that don't make any sense at all. No, I have no, no, that, no, no idea what that means. But then if we're with, with our church, if we're here, right? Like then he, for him to be like, hey, but listen, thanks for praying for me. Thanks for being open to what the spirit might have. Like, even if you're wrong, like, thank you. Thank you for trying to encourage me with the pirate ship, Right? Like, what's the worst thing? What's the worst thing that could happen if you approach it with that kind of humility? What's the worst thing? You unintentionally encourage somebody, not from the Lord? Like, well, the worst thing is that, is that he's built up. The very best thing is it might be something for him. I don't know. Like, seriously, this happened to me about a month ago. So I, I, I don't think I have the gift of prophecy, but I, I, I want to be open to these things. So uh, uh, literally like, tw- like four or six weeks ago, I was driving down Santa Fe. Uh, I think I was going to go to uh, coffee or no, I was going to counseling. I was driving down Santa Fe to my counseling appointment uh, and another pastor friend of mine, he just came to mind. Like, like any, like sometimes, you know, people just kind of pop into your head. He just kind of popped into my head as I'm driving. And I just felt like he might be struggling. Like, I know he's been going through some stuff. So I was like, ah, yeah, maybe he, maybe he needs some encouragement. So I just called him up. I pulled up my phone, uh, called him up while I was driving. I was like, bro, I was just praying for you. God, God, I think God brought you to mind. And I don't know if you're struggling right now or something, but I think God just wants me to encourage you right now. Now hear me. He was like, no, man, I'm good. So I'm driving down Santa Fe thinking I'm doing something great. Maybe I don't have this, like, right? Maybe I'm just being weird. I guess I'm just the weird friend who calls people to try and encourage them from the Lord. But, but, but he went on to, he said this. He said, Chris, I'm just really encouraged that you'd even call me. So I then have a conversation with him for like 15 minutes on the way to counseling. We mutually encourage, we hang up. And listen, I didn't lose anything except for he thinks I'm a little weird. That's it. We just encouraged each other and caught up and, Like what if the dozens and dozens of times that people kind of come into your mind, like sometimes it's just your mind. Sometimes it's just the tacos, but but what if, what if God is inviting you into something that he wants to do in that person in those moments? Like what if he wants you to encourage that person, to reach out to that person, to actually, like what if something divine is actually occurring and we just chalk it up to, oh yeah, that's weird. Like, what if it's an invitation to, to get in the game? 
like we've been talking about with these spiritual gifts? What if we took that risk to pray and to listen and to step out to encourage somebody? Imagine, imagine all of the uplifting that would happen if we as a church, just the hundreds of us, would just encourage and uplift as God brought people to mind. What if that happened? That'd be incredible in my mind. Now, real quick, back to verse 39, the last two verses once again. He says, again, I've already read this. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Now, here's the thing. I don't think for us as a church that verse 40 is the issue. I don't think for us the issue is, you're getting a little too crazy, let's get it all back in order. All things decently in order is my M.O., right? I love order. I am type A. Some people will say anal retentive. That's just kind of who I am. That's us. Okay. My books, if you come into my office, my books are alphabetized by author. So if you come, you want to play a bad prank on me, mess my books up. That's a bad prank. I'll hunt you down with a shark. Right? Okay, that's what that means. Okay, my books are alphabetized. Okay, my Bible reading plan, I love check boxes. I like the boxes. I like the order. I like the check marks. Okay, my prayer journal is structured. My world is tidy and clean. Hear me. When I, right before I got married, Marcy came over to my apartment when, when I was, we were just dating, and she looks into my closet, and my shirts were color coordinated. Now, she won't do that for me. I pull out Ephesians 5, submit to me, but she will not color coordinate my shirts. But listen, I prefer my shirts color coordinated. I'm crazy, okay? Just know that, all right? I am crazy. And and now hear me, even if you're a little bit more messy, you're not quite as type A as I am. Hear hear me, we in the Western post-enlightened Christian bubble, especially if we don't run in a more charismatic stream, our issue is not 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Our issue is 1 Thessalonians, okay? Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. That's my and likely your bent here. But what if God wants to move this way? What if he wants to speak to you and through you to build others up? So these last couple weeks, they may have freaked you out a bit. Like you hear words like prophecy and revelation and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and tongues. And that all might say like, like in your mind, you're like, what? Dang it. I was just starting to like this church. I was just, I love the way they preach through the Bible. I I wish they would not have gone there. And hear me, we're going to keep preaching the Bible. We love the Bible. I love the Bible. First Corinthians 15 will redeem all of first Corinthians 14 in your mind. I'm sure. Except for the maybe baptism for the dead part, but that, We'll get to that in a couple weeks. But listen, we're going to continue to do this stuff. It makes my type A brain hurt. But just for a second, let me just change the wording and see if this changes it for you. Let me reframe this real quick, just as we're closing. Do you believe that God speaks? What would you say? Do you believe that God sometimes will put stuff into your minds? What'd you say to that? And then do you believe at at times that God wants you to step out and to talk with someone else about those things he brings to your mind? 
Not in like some weird, thus saith the Lord type of thing, but just like humbly, hey, I think God might have, like, I just feel, maybe, is this something that resonates with, I just feel like that. Like, do you believe that that happens? See, I think for most of us, we believe these things. They've just been framed for us in really crazy ways. I think what I just said, that's what the New Testament calls prophecy. Don't let it freak you out. Behind a term that's loaded and abused is really a reality, I think, that is beautiful. We worship a God who speaks. Do you believe that? And if the answer is yes, are you listening? Pray with me. Father, thank you for um, 1 Corinthians 14. Honestly, Lord, I'm thankful that we're done with it. Um, just this is hard. This is challenging. And yet, Lord, it's in, let, let, me, let me affirm with my mouth what I believe, that these words are in here on purpose, that these words have authority over us as your people, and that you have not made a mistake by putting them here. I pray, Lord, that, that our interpretation has been pleasing to you. I pray, Lord, that we have not uh, gone too far or, or stayed too close uh, or, or, or away from, from the adequate interpretation of these verses. But Lord, maybe, maybe you want to call us into a place where we are building up and encouraging one another uh, more in this church. So I don't, I don't pray, Lord, for, for, for extra biblical prophecy. I don't pray for gifts that seem like they're supernatural or, or above and beyond. I just want what you have for us. I want Holy Spirit, everything that you would have for your church. And if it's this gift, we pray that we would have it. God, if there are people in our lives that you would want us to play, like to, to encourage, to, to get in on, uh, Lord, would you bring to, the, to mind those people? Would you encourage us with words for them if you have them for them? And Lord, ultimately, would we be about using all the gifts to build up and edify the body? That's what I see in these chapters. Lord, thank you for this word. Help, it, help us to uh, be edified by it and to be challenged and encouraged to follow you all the more closely. We love you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit.